Open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Again, this is the second message in a new series entitled, What Do You Think? The message itself is trying to bring to our congregation a larger, very fundamental message from Scripture about how salvation and what Christ wants to do in our lives absolutely depends upon his transforming the way we think. From Romans chapter 12, verse 2, a verse many of you know have memorized, be not conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Again, that's a commandment. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 is a commandment that says, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. God wants to change the way we think. Why do you think that some of us have such a hard time making Jesus Lord of our thoughts? I talked about that this morning. We can invite Jesus into our hearts, but to think about Jesus coming into our minds and being Lord of our our thoughts, that is really something that many of us haven't considered. Why do you think that those of us who've known Christ for years even haven't necessarily made him Lord of our thoughts? Any, Any ideas? What's the hesitation? Yeah, WB? Absolutely. If Jesus is going to be Lord, he, he takes control. And, and as I said this morning, my thoughts, that, that is the one place where I am king. Uh, my thoughts I control, and, and they're private, that they're totally mine. And to give those up, to give those up is to give up a kind of control that, that honestly I crave. As a sinful man, I want to maintain that control. But, but Christ must be Lord of my thoughts. That, that's excellent. We, we just want the control. What else? Why do you think we hesitate? Why do you think we just fail to make him Lord of our thoughts? Yeah, Warren just says that it, part of it is, is just our own lack of understanding. We, we think that we've given Jesus our heart, so to speak, and we never really consider, and we never really understand how we can sin in our thoughts or how we actually keep that uh, control of our thoughts uh, to, to ourselves. I, I guess, go ahead, Andrew. Yeah, Andrew says his thoughts are elusive. That's a great word. What does that mean? To say my thoughts are just elusive. I I don't know how to get a hold of one to give it to God. You understand? Thoughts aren't really things, are they? I I mean, are are they things? It's so difficult to... uh, 
to capture a thought, which is exactly what the scripture commands us, commands us to do tonight. I think part of our problem is that we live in our thoughts the way a fish lives in water. You, you know what I mean? Uh, my thoughts are, are just constantly running. Uh, I'm always thinking. I'm, I don't mean I'm like Einstein thinking great things. I'm usually thinking something really ignorant. I mean, you know, but, but yet my brain just continues to work, and yours does too. And, and it's, it, it never stops. It never turns off. And for that reason, a lot of us just aren't really very aware. We're not aware at, at all of our, of our thoughts. And, and to think that what Christ is doing importantly depends upon this ongoing dialogue and conversation and, and picture show in our minds, is, it's very difficult, as Andrew says. It's, it's elusive, uh, difficult. W.B., Yeah. Yeah. Or as, as we said this morning in, in, from Ephesians, it's the Holy Spirit that's at work inside of us to, to, to transform our thoughts. We do have the Spirit that is always going to be there to, to, to bring those thoughts up and try to transform them. We just have to cooperate with, with the Spirit, which brings us to 2 Corinthians chapter 10 tonight. Let's talk about spiritual warfare. And uh, hopefully by the end of this night, you're going to engage the battle. It's uh, between your ears if you haven't caught on yet. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I don't love the New Living Translation of these verses, but, but yet we will accept it and, and we'll go ahead and try to uh, rightly divide God's word tonight. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 1. Now I, Paul, appeal to you with the gentleness and kindness of Christ, though I realize that you think I am timid in person and bold only when I write from far away. Stop right there. Just a little window into Paul's world. Paul's writing to 2 Corinthians, writing to the church at Corinth. This is a church that he has some trouble with. And, and what do you pick up right here? Paul knows what they say about him when he's not there. What do they say? We're talking about Paul. I don't know who would actually talk about Paul. But apparently at Corinth, they talk about anybody. And when Paul wasn't around, they say what? Yeah, he's bold when he's writing his letters. Yeah, he's bold when he's writing us a letter, but he ain't nothing. He, when he gets here, he can't preach his way out of a wet paper bag. That's what they said about him, that he's not a good speaker, that he has no, no presence. Uh, he writes a good letter, but, but he's not much of a, of a real speaker. In, interesting that that's what they said about him. I realize you think I'm timid in person and bold only when I write from far away. Well, I'm begging you now so that when I come, I won't have to be bold with those who think we act from human motives. I love that. I don't want to be bold when I get there. Verse 3. We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. And Paul's using warfare language now, so listen to what he says. We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. Very important. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God and we take every thought captive. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. We take every thought captive to bring it into submission to Christ, he says. We capture the rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. Let's just stop right there. What comes to your mind when, we, when you hear the, the word spiritual warfare? What, what, what do you think of? 
what should this message be about if we're going to talk about spiritual warfare? Yeah, fighting Satan. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Fighting Satan. What do you think, man? Absolutely, yeah. It's like the angel on this shoulder, you ever seen that? And, and the devil on this shoulder talking back and forth. Yeah, yeah. That's actually pretty good, man. That, that, that's pretty good. It's as if we're always somehow caught in the middle of this conflict. And Paul would say that's true. Yeah. What else? What would you expect? What should we talk about if it's spiritual warfare? What comes to your mind? Yeah, again, battling Satan. Get thee behind me, Satan, as Jesus himself um, did battle against the evil one. Yeah, I've often heard people say, Brother Tim, we want you to talk about spiritual warfare. And the people who've asked me that typically wanted me to address uh, the forces of, of, of darkness. And, and I believe in the devil. I believe in demons. I do believe in, in that kind of warfare. But understand... Uh, that, that scripture doesn't put the emphasis on that that, that we often do. In, in Paul's mind here, he's talking about spiritual warfare. This is one of the places where Paul begins using warfare language. And it's very, very interesting, very interesting to really uh, capture what Paul is trying to say to us. Look at the language he's using. Again, warfare language. Verse 3, we don't wage war. Okay, again, he's using the language of warfare, and he says, we don't wage war as humans do. Again, I remind you, we, we are human. We are human. We are flesh, but we don't wage war as humans do, a war. We use God's mighty weapons, again, warfare language, mighty weapons uh, to knock down strongholds. Again, that, that, that's warfare language. What's he talking about? We don't wage war as humans do. What kind of war are we waging? What's he talking about? We know it's spiritual. It's, it's not human. It's not fleshly. The, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, as the King James says. So what is our war? If it's spiritual, is it real? Yeah, Rhonda says it's, it's the battlefield of the mind. Oh, oh, okay, well then... There were not in any real danger here. Apparently for Rhonda Smith, the battle's all in her head. Pray for her. If we say, uh, it's not, not a real war, just one in your mind, does that mean that we're not in any kind of danger? Does this mean it's not a serious, serious kind of battle? Yeah. Brenda says, uh, personally speaking, it's, it's the most serious battle she fights every, every single day. Yeah, I, I, I know y'all know this stuff, it's just you don't talk about it out loud. But, but today, I had two conversations before and after church. I had two conversations with individuals for whom this message is, is the most important thing they've ever heard. I mean, we had a guy, you, you all probably don't know him, but he attended church this morning. I saw him on the news a couple of weeks ago. Uh, he'd been arrested. I, I know the kind of battle that he's fighting in his mind. And today I caught him and I hugged him and I said, I'm just so glad you're at church. I'm glad you're here. So I just want you to know I'm praying for you. You can call me if you want to talk. And he got my phone number. I said, brother, remember I'm praying for you. And he said, I've been praying for myself for seven years. It's a, it is 
real warfare for him. It's, it's real warfare. And his entire life and the lives of others are at stake. And it's, it's a battle he faces in his thoughts every single day. But, but everything God wants to do in his life depends upon this battle. Do you understand that? And he wasn't even the only one I talked to, to today. D- don't think that because we're not firing real guns, don't think because there aren't real grenades being lobbed that somehow we're not in, in danger. We're talking about people's souls for all eternity here. We're, we're talking about where people will spend eternity. We're talking about the, the woman you become, the man that you're becoming. We're talking about, as we said this morning to C.S. Lewis's words, whether you're becoming more a heavenly creature or a hellish creature. We're, we're talking about everything that matters here. And Paul says the, the weapons of our warfare are not the weapons of the world. We don't fight. We don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons. Okay, well, what are God's mighty weapons? What do God's weapons do? Again, we're not throwing grenades. We're not firing missiles. But it's warfare. It's the warfare that matters for all eternity. And what are our weapons? They're not the weapons that the world uses. Not that kind of weapon. What are our weapons? Prayer, faith. What else? What are you saying? Yeah. The Word of God, Scripture. Yeah, the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. I know all of that sounds, oh, yeah, Sunday school answers. But no, don't you understand? These are real things. This is how the spiritual life is lived, and this is how the spiritual warfare is fought. And you are a fool if you think that somehow you've gone beyond the necessity of God's word in your life. God's word is truth. God's word is truth. Come back to Paul with me. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to do what? To destroy false arguments. Yeah, to destroy false arguments. Go back to where we were this morning. Go back to Ephesians chapter 4. We were there this morning. I want to take you back. Ephesians chapter 4. Start at verse 18. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they close their minds, harden their hearts against him. Okay, down to verse 22. Throw off your old sinful nature, your old former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. What Paul says there is that your old nature, your old way of thinking is corrupted by desires that come from lies. That's what he literally says there. Our minds are corrupted by desires that come from lies. So God's mighty weapons that Paul talks about, that they demolish strongholds. Again, that's a military term. What's a stronghold? You ever played King of the Mountain? Ever played King of the Mountain, anybody? Yeah. How'd that work? Why is it that when you're up on top, it's so much easier to fight than if you're down at the bottom? Because the mountain is what? A stronghold. Yeah, any tall place in Bowling Green, any mountain in the world you go, there's probably going to be a historical marker there to tell you about the war that was fought there. Why are you always fighting wars around mountains? Because if you can take a mountain, you've got a stronghold. It is so much easier to fight when you've got that high position to fight from. 
The thing is, in fighting the spiritual battle inside your own mind, inside your own heart, the devil will set up strongholds. He'll take a mountain in your life, and once he has his feet planted in that stronghold, it's very, very difficult to budge him. And you know about this in your life. If you would stop and think, pray through this, you would begin to identify the strongholds that the devil has in your life. These are the places where you continue to fail. These are the places where you continue to repeat the same sinful patterns day after day after day. These are the things that you say, I'm never going to do that again. God help me, I never want to do that again. And then tomorrow you do it again. These are strongholds. This is where the battle is, is waged and you feel like you're losing. This is where you continue to fight and push and pray and struggle. There are strongholds in our life. But back to 2 Corinthians, what does Paul say about the strongholds? We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, and these weapons demolish strongholds. They demolish strongholds. So there is a, a power that God gives us to demolish the, the devil's strongholds, and the strongholds are in our minds. Do you understand? It, it's in our minds. It's in that inward person. That's where he sets up his stronghold. And the only power to demolish those strongholds comes from God. In preparing these messages, I've tried to do research, I've tried to study, I've tried to see what other scholars and other preachers have written, and honestly, they don't write a lot about our thought life first, and the ones who do, I tend not to like what they say. I'm really not a power of positive thinking kind of guy. If you've read that book, and I'm not necessarily dogging the guy, I'm just saying in Scripture, I don't see power in positive thinking. Just thinking happy thoughts will not make you happy. There is not power in positive thinking. That's strange. That's sort of acting like thoughts are magical. And if you can just put the right thoughts in, your life will work out. You understand? The power is God's power. And you're not going to demolish these strongholds in your life by just trying to think differently on your own. You need God's power. You need God's weapons to demolish these strongholds. And the weapon is always truth. Do you understand? Because the stronghold is always based on a lie. Always based on lies. So the weapons that we use, they demolish these strongholds. They bring down the, the false arguments that are established inside our minds. What kind of lies? What kind of lies? Yeah, Satan will love to tell you, if, if you've messed up, that, that, that God can't use you, God can't bless you. Yeah, yeah. The, the thing is, when Satan speaks, he never says, uh, yeah, Tim, this is the devil talking to you. It, it, it never works that way. I, I don't have a caller ID for my mind, so I, I know when it's the devil talking. So when the devil speaks to me, how does it come? Well, it sounds like a thought. You, you understand? He, he just whispers. Now, I don't really believe the devil reads my thoughts. He doesn't have all knowledge that God has. But the devil obviously has this ability to whisper in my ear. And the devil watches. He, he, he's an enemy, and he watches as he observes, and he knows exactly. He studies you. 
And he knows how to plant the thought that, that, that's going to destroy your faith. That's his goal. Always wants to set up a stronghold in your life. And the stronghold of your life is always going to be traced back to a lie that you're believing. The thing is, it's probably a lie that you believed for years and years and years. It's a lie that sort of comes up. It bubbles up out of your own heart. But when it comes into your head, it sounds like your own voice. You understand? It's sort of like in your own voice. And I always believe my own voice. Do you understand how this works? This is why the battle is fought in, inside our, our minds. And it's so very important to wage this battle. It's so important. I'm telling you, whatever problem you're facing in your life, whatever limits you're experiencing in your life of faith, in your Christian life, whatever hang-ups and habits you're struggling with, understand we can trace that right back to a stronghold that the devil has in your mind. You can trace that right back to a, a false argument, some way that he has corrupted your thinking. And the only way to experience salvation and freedom, the only way to experience sanctification is to allow Christ, the truth of Christ, to change the way we think. How does it work? It's just so good. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. Okay, now that's huge. This is why the battle is so critical. This is why the, the lies that we believe, you feel like perhaps it won't matter. It's elusive like a thought. But the problem is these lies, these strongholds, they keep people from knowing God. In the Ephesians passage we read this morning, what Paul says is that that corrupt mind is literally separated from the life of God. You're spiritually brain dead. And so truly, these are the thoughts, these are the lies, this is the battle simply to know God. These strongholds keep us from knowing Him. So, how do I know? I mean, you're listening to me talking, you may be thinking, well, how do I know if my thoughts are like that? How do I know if my thoughts are keeping me from knowing God? How would you know? There's a lack of peace in your life? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, how else would you know? How would you know? Always tested against the truth of Christ? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. What else? A lack of fruit in your life? Yeah. All of these things are, are true, but I can answer this for you. You're really wondering if, if your thoughts are, are keeping you from, from, from knowing God? You want me to answer it for you? They are, that they just are. And I'll show you why. Go to Matthew chapter 15, verse 19. Matthew 15, 19. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees here. He was talking to the Pharisees in chapter 15. He's been in this big argument with them, and now he's trying to explain some things to his disciples after the debate with the Pharisees. Remember I told you that the Pharisees' problem is exactly this. They only polish the outside of the cup. They only cleanse and wash the outside, but the inside remains corrupt, the person on the inside. So Jesus is talking about this, and he says in verse 19, it's from the heart. From the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, all sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. These are what defile you. 
It, it comes from the inside. Remember that the Pharisees were just obsessive about cleanliness, about washing their hands and making sure that they didn't get anything that would defile them from the outside. And Jesus is saying, you got this all wrong. The spiritual life works from the inside out. And the real corruption, the real pollution, the real stain of sin is inside you. So if you're wondering if your own thoughts could lead you astray, if your own thoughts keep you from knowing God, I'm telling you that, that, that they do. Because your thoughts are just bubbling up from a heart that, that, that is itself corrupted with sin. Now again, once we give our heart to Christ, once we make him Lord of our hearts and our minds, and Christ begins that process of transformation, but it is a process, and that process demands my cooperation, my participation. I am pulled into a battle, a battle for my own sanctification, and I'm not using my power. Do you understand that? Uh, it's not my power. I don't say you got to go fight. You do have to fight. But the first thing you have to do, the first thing you do in engaging this battle is you surrender. You surrender. You can't win this on your own. You don't have it in you. If you could change your own way of thinking, you would have already done it. If you could somehow change your own habits, you would have already done it. You don't have it in you. You've got to recognize that and surrender. It sounds weird to say the first step in spiritual warfare is to surrender, but that's exactly what I'm telling you. You surrender to Christ. If there is the voice of, of, of God on one side and the voice of the devil on the other side, then you decide right up front who you're going to listen to. You surrender to the voice of God. You surrender your heart and your mind to him. Give your thoughts to him. Invite him in. Understand? You surrender to Christ. The power comes from him. And then again, I'm going to go back to 2 Corinthians. Sorry to keep jerking you back and forth. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God, and we take every thought captive to make it submissive to the knowledge of Christ. We take every thought captive again it's 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 warfare language we take every thought captive what paul is saying here in in sort of odd odd terms perhaps is just to say that that in order to live the christian life and engage this battle i have to keep my mind in capture mode in, in capture mode. I have to take every thought captive. Remember what Chris said earlier. How, how do you know if your thoughts are leading you astray? Well, you measure them against the truth of Christ. And that's what Paul says. A thought goes through your mind. You have to grab it. You have to capture it. And you have to stare at it and compare it to the truth that is in Christ. Do you understand that? You have to do this. You, you have to do this. Of course it's exhausting. It's a battle. Of course you get tired. I'm telling you, you will get tired, but it's a battle. You have to leave your mind in, in, in capture mode. I know you don't like the sound of that. Some of you, you don't think about thinking. You just let your mind wander like an old dog in Woodburn that's bound to get run over one day. You just let your mind wander. It just wanders. You don't think about your thinking. You're not aware of what's going on in your mind. Now, you bring your behind to church every time the door opens, and you try to live right and speak right, but I'm telling you, you're not really thinking about what's happening inside yourself, inside your, your mind, and your thoughts are the best window into what God is doing in your heart. You have to begin taking thoughts captive. 
You have to begin wrestling thoughts sometimes to the ground to make them submit to the truth that you know in Christ. This is spiritual warfare. Did you want something that sounded more exciting? I'm telling you, there's nothing more important than this. The devil has strongholds in your life, perhaps. And if you're ever going to have victory, this is the key. You have to learn to capture your thoughts. You have to stop and analyze what is it that you're thinking those thoughts that just flicker across the screen of your mind, like Andrew says, th- those elusive thoughts. You have to grab them and look at them and, and ask yourself if it's true. I-, I call you back to the lavender sheet here. Th- th- this sheet is, is full of things that are true. I, I want to ask you to, to spend some time meditating on these words in the next few weeks. I, I want you to let your brain soak in, in, in this kind of truth because... There's a lot that's here that is absolutely life-changing, if this could be the way you think. In the next few weeks, I'm going to talk about several thought sins. One of the thought sins that I'll be talking about is the thought sin of worry. I'm doing that on Mother's Day, but no offense, ladies. I'm preaching on worry on Mother's Day. Worry's a thought sin. Notice what it says right here. The hard trial that comes will not hurt you, God says in the book of Isaiah. Do not worry Even the hairs on your head have been numbered, so there is no need to be afraid of anything. The mountains may depart, the hills be shaken, but my steadfast love for you will never end. Do not be afraid. I have redeemed you. I am with you. Be sure of this. I am with you always until the end of the world. Do not let your heart be troubled. Trust in me. I will help you. Your troubles will not overwhelm you. The hard trial that comes will not hurt you. I mean, this is the truth that comes from knowing Christ. This is not the truth that is shaping your thoughts. Because if it were, you wouldn't be so worried. Seriously. You wouldn't be so afraid. Right now, some of you so overwhelmed, so so very, very deep in depression. What's the lie you're believing? The lie you're believing is simply things will never get any better. Things are never going to get any better. But that's not true. That's not true in in any sense of the word. That's not true. In Christ, we know that the end is going to be glorious. It always works out in the end if you know Christ. So if it ain't worked out, it ain't the end. Do you understand? The the troubles that you're facing, they do not last long, Paul says. It, It does not last long. And so when you allow yourself to think, this is how it's going to be, it's never going to get any better. I'll never find a job, Sheila, I'll never find a job, you think. Or my marriage can never be any better, or or, my kids are hopeless. Do you understand? These are lies. These are lies that come up from from the depths of a depraved heart, and, and it speaks in your own voice, in your mind, and you believe that. But the devil uses that as a stronghold. He'll tie you up in knots if you begin to think that you're already defeated. If you begin to think that your troubles have already won the victory, that there's no hope for you. He wins. If you honestly believe that God isn't there for you, that he's not going to give you the strength to face anything you've got to face. He wins. The devil wins. If he gets you to believe that your sins can't be forgiven, that he can't use you or bless you because of the dirt and filth inside your heart. Do you understand? That's not the truth. And if that's how you think, then understand you've got to battle to fight for the truth in your own mind the weapons of our warfare paul says they're not the weapons of the world 
The battle that we're fighting is not flesh and blood, he says. It's spiritual. Spiritual. Most everything spiritually that's taking place in my life happens inwardly. And I experience it in the battle in my thought life. I have to take every thought captive. I've learned this the hard way, my friends. I have to live this way. There's a time in my life when my own thoughts were about to destroy me. Me. I was losing my mind, I think. I probably would have lost my ministry and everything else. Simply because of the way I was thinking. To engage this battle was very, very difficult. It's exhausting to have to stop and wrestle every thought to the ground. That's exhausting. But it's also the way to victory. Because once God's truth begins to take hold, once God's truth, once Christ has the stronghold in your heart and mind, you understand, you get to walk in victory then. Christ himself can have the stronghold when you give your mind over to his truth. But that's not easy. Paul says it's the closest thing to a war you're ever going to be in, but but sitting on the sidelines is not going to be an option for you. The weapons of our warfare, not the weapons of the world. The war that we wage, it's not human. Instead, we, uh, we have to go back into the dark places in our own minds, take thoughts captive, submit them to the truth of Christ. That is how you experience victory in your Christian life. Any thoughts? I'm not, it's not a joke. Any thoughts? What do you think? Let's, uh, let's end with a time of worship and, and prayer. Uh, Andrew, can, can you lead us in one more? Uh, I'm going to bring you back to this sheet, so it would be a good idea maybe to fold it, put it in your Bible. Uh, maybe uh, crump a little ball and stick it right inside your head. Maybe that's where it belongs, whatever you need to do.